0: This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 92.3 fm the voice of Harlem. And we are back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, The Voice of Harlem. Again, my name is Selena Hill. I'm here with Stanley Fritz, Jackie Cohen, and Alyssa Fuchs. And that was a clip of Donald Trump, who earlier this week, well, actually last week, sparked a firestorm during that pre-taped MSNBC town hall where he said women should be punished for getting abortions should the medical procedure be outlawed. So, I mean, if you were a Trump supporter and you thought... If you, for some reason... Thought that he had a well thought out campaign or platform, and and thought before he spoke. I hope this was proof to say that you know Donald Trump basically says anything and everything just to get supporters, just to pander to that base. I mean, it wasn't that long ago when he was actually very pro choice, and he you know he took a, a strong stance, but now he's saying not only is he pro life, but he actually leans even more right than the pro life movement right. by saying that he would punish women. Punish the mother. Punish a mother who got an abortion, if the law is outlawed in states, um, or in um, or federally, or you know, if that ever were to happen, God forbid. So um, I wanted to say that, but you know, if there was any good that came out of Donald Trump's um, comments, I think it was the fact that he pushed the abortion debate push women's rights, uh, reproductive rights back into the forefront of national discourse. Now we're talking about it here on Let Your Voice Be Heard and a number of people talking about it and this is a great time to talk about it because not only do you have a GOP front runner talking about uh, uh, punishing mothers or punishing women but you also have um, a number of states uh, and Republican governors who are, are, are passing bills, passing laws that would further punish women if they wanted to have an abortion like I mean it's it's restricting their access to a, a safe abortion it's also uh, it's making it extremely impossible and it's making it more uncomfortable like no one wants to have you know, a lot of times people don't want to have abortion the women that I've had um, that I know in my lives who've had abortions it was a very complicated decision and you know it, it's it's very emotional and I actually went with my best friend to the wow. abortion clinic, and you know it's not an easy thing to do. But she felt like she wanted to make this decision. She had to at that time in her life, and you know thank God we live in New York where she could make that decision, right. and you know it wasn't that hard or or, or painful. But there, it's not that easy. You know you have sex, it's, uh, states like Texas and in Utah, uh, Indiana and Florida where it's it's just getting harder for women. So uh, with that said, as I mentioned before we went on break, we have a very special guest on the line who is from and represents a pro the pro life movement because we wanted to add that perspective here. I mean, Everyone has been outraged over Donald Trump's comments on the right and on the left, whether you're pro-choice and pro-life. And I definitely wanted to get that perspective. So we have on the line with us Carol um, Tobias, who is the president of the National Right to Life Committee. That is the nation's oldest and largest pro-life organization. Good morning, Carol.
1: Good morning. Thank you for having me on the show.
0: Thank you. We appreciate you coming and joining us. So the National Right to Life Committee issued a press release stating, um, you know, uh, shortly after Donald Trump made these comments, and the press release states that, Penalties should be imposed against an abortionist or the doctor or the person performing the abortion and not a woman who is getting the abortion. So I wanted to start off this conversation by asking you to further explain your position and why you found Donald Trump's comments about punishing women so troubling.
1: There are a lot of women in the pro-life movement who have had abortions. And when they bring their stories, they are very clear that they felt like they were victims themselves. Uh, Many of them were pushed into the abortion, either by a boyfriend or a husband, or maybe even their parents, uh, and they really didn't know that they had other options. They didn't realize that the Pregnancy Resource Centers were available to give all kinds of support to a pregnant woman. And they just felt like that was kind of they were pushed into it. We do not consider women to be the, um, the perpetrator. They are another victim. A baby dies. A woman, in many cases, is hurt, whether it's emotionally, psychologically. We want to stop the abortions. We want to save the babies our goal is not to punish the, the mothers,
0: guys. If you're just tuning in, we have on a line with us Carol Tobias again. She is the president of the National Right to Life Committee, and we're starting off the uh, this d- discussion on the abortion debate around Donald Trump's very troubling comments. One thing that you said, Carol, just now was that it, it's sort of like um, you're saying that women are being pushed or misled into getting an abortion by the pro-choice movement. But you know, as somebody, and you know, I'll admit full disclosure, I am pro-choice. I'm also Christian, I also fall to the left. Um, I almost find it somewhat, like, offensive to say that, you know, like, as a woman, I can't make that own decision. Like, I'm being misled. Like, I can't, I'm not strong enough in my own thinking or stance to make a well-thought-out decision for my life, but instead I'm being manipulated by
1: someone. Is that what you're saying? I said that many women, I didn't say all of them. I know that there are others who... Very clearly, they know what they're doing, they've made this decision, and, um, you know, they're willing to accept that and move on. Um, But I think it makes it very difficult to maybe distinguish between those who fully are fully aware of what's happening and those who feel like they are being pressured. They're being coerced into that decision. Uh, and, and it's it's very complicated, and we just, like I said, we want to save that baby. We're not interested in going after the women who are involved.
2: Right. I know. I understand that. And I, and I think that that's sort of a common ground position that we have, where we all agree, whether we fall on one side of this debate or the other, that Donald Trump's comments were a little out of whack. But here's my question to you, which is, we, you know, even you said you don't want to see women punished. Well, during the 1950s and 60s, when uh, abortion was illegal, um, there was between 200,000 and 1.2 million illegal abortions performed, and out of those. Uh, approximately over 5,000 women died annually as a result of unsafe abortions. Today, that abortion is legal. The death rate for women is about 0.6 percent out of every 100,000 procedures. So to me, it seems like even though you disagree with Donald Trump's comments, and so do we, just if the fact in and of itself that you guys would like to see abortion made illegal is a punishment towards women who then may have to seek an illegal abortion and risk dying as a result of an unsafe abortion.
1: Um, there are several different answers to that <laughs> big question. Uh one, I think your figures from before nineteen seventy three when abortion was uh legalized nationwide are widely exaggerated. Uh and two, a lot of the um or several of the abortion complications, deaths that did occur were actually before um even penicillin was was um created, uh, I don't think we would see, the kind of, we would not see the kind of figures that you are talking about. And actually, what we are also seeing is a change in the culture where more and more women are just deciding not to get the abortion. Uh, we are seeing abortion facilities around the nation decrease in number because the demand just isn't there.
3: Um, so, I would follow up with the question then um, do you support easier access to birth control? because I find or what we're finding is that um in states or you know parts of the country where there is easier access to birth control, um, abortion rates go down tremendously, even in states where um, abortion is accessible and certainly legal. Um, you know the the increase in access to birth control in general um, and education about birth control options just automatically lends itself to because nobody wants to have an abortion, right? This isn't something that people that women desire. This is a very unfortunate, um, you know, stressful, emotional thing to go through. So to promote easier access to birth control, I would assume would just naturally be a good fit for this argument. Is that something you support or that your organization advocates for?
1: Uh, we actually don't have a position on birth control. That's a decision that um, has to be made by the, the couple that is involved. Uh, if you want to use it, you know, that's fine. If you don't, that's fine. We really don't have any position. I think that has contributed a lot to the reason that um, abortions are going down, is that there
4: is easy
1: access. To contraceptives, to birth control, and women are just not getting pregnant.
4: Um, hey, Carol, this is Stan. I've been quiet for a while, but I just have a, a question: Why, and if, and if you can't answer this, I understand. But why don't you, um, your organiz- why doesn't your organization have a stance on, um, on, um, I guess, birth control like condoms and birth yeah, contraceptives, and like, yeah, contraceptions? If, like, you know, you've more or less acknowledged the fact that that has helped decrease the likelihood of someone mm-hmm. needing to have an abortion.
1: Our organization was established to prevent the killing of a, an innocent human life after that life has begun. What happens before that point, uh, how, the, how the baby was created, quite frankly, um, you know, it is not our, our issue. We are concerned about protecting innocent human life. And if someone is comfortable using birth control to make sure that uh, conception doesn't happen, then... You know, like I said, we have no position on it. They should, they should feel free to do that.
0: Um, we actually have a caller on the line. We have Ken Roy who would like to let his voice be heard. Good morning, Ken Roy.
5: Uh, good morning. Um, my, uh, I hope you guys are good. Uh, guys, I, I'll get to the point. Um, I, I'm pro-life, uh, not being misogynistic, no disrespect to women. Uh, but I, I believe that, you know, I know uh, uh, if the mother's life is in danger, uh, she, uh, she, I think she should have a right to say, um, that, um, to, uh, terminate. But I, I agree with the, 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 your guest that, um, uh, that w- the possibility of that, um, that, of that fetus to be a human being, what could they contribute to society? I mean, isn't it kind of morally unfair to just, kill that fetus? Because, I mean, I know with abortion, like, um, uh, it's not, not being misogynistic, not being, um, I know it's a woman's body, but what about that that fetus?
2: Right no okay i mean i'll question you back on that isn't it morally unfair to make a woman carry a fetus to term for 9 months and to have her body go through all the changes that a woman's body goes through when she's pregnant in a situation where she does not want to be pregnant and just to take that one step further put it in a situation where she gets raped or where she gets pregnant by not because of her own some own choice that she makes and and that i should also mention at least for me personally and this is you know my own position which is, I don't feel like we should draw a distinction between the woman who gets raped and the woman who doesn't and wants to get an abortion. But just for the sake right. of argument, there's lots of women out there that get pregnant that don't want to be pregnant. And it has nothing to do with their own choice. And to me, it's not morally right to force them into a position to have to carry that fetus to term for nine months.
3: And I, I want to add that I don't doubt what our guests brought up earlier that there are some women right who feel obligated or pressured into having an abortion. I don't doubt that that may be true for some women, but I, I'm sure that on the flip side on the you know opposite side of that coin, there are women who feel pressured into getting pregnant, who would like to not carry that pregnancy to term. Um, who are not ready who feel pressure on the other side that they must um and i i don't think that's a good thing either that there are women who feel pressured into you know carrying and becoming a mother before they're ready to i think that's extremely problematic and scary as well
0: Kenroy I want to thank you for calling in i want to get Carol's response to the call. Stanley, did you have a, a comment you wanted to add uh, before I, we go to Carol
4: I think i can wait to at the break but it's just about the question of like what like it's like what constitutes killing if science says, like, science, like, constitutes a life after a certain period of time.
1: Okay, so let, let's get Carol to respond to that. <clears throat> well, look, it, it's a scientific biological fact. A new human life is created at fertilization. When the sperm meets the egg, you have a new, unique life, different DNA, future different fingerprints than you know, that uh, no other baby, no other human will ever have. So it is Wrong to say that some human life can be disposed of at another person's uh, will. We don't allow that for any other reason unless there has been a crime committed with a jury decision that puts, you know, someone, gives someone the death penalty, and then they have the case of uh, where they can uh, appeal to the highest court in the land. The unborn child is an innocent victim, that has no voice, cannot defend herself and needs to be protected. And I think it is wrong to say that anyone has the ability the right to determine whether or not that baby lives or dies.
0: I think fundamentally there might be some difference in an arguments because I know like, like like for myself um if if a fetus does not have a brain, does not have a heart, cannot feel um any pain less than 20 weeks um in, in a during a, a pregnancy it's hard to consider this as a being. Like I understand what you're saying, but I think, you know, there is some difference in how um, People would view or, or or say when life does start. Um, guys, if you do want to call in, we uh, again the number is two one two six five zero six nine zero three. Before we go on break, um, Carol, I did want to just ask one more question about the the punishment when it comes to Donald Trump and what he was saying. Again, that was very very troubling. Um, so in that statement that you guys released, that was um, counter counterattacking what donald trump says you say that an abortionist um should be punished if the medical procedure is outlawed however if the abortion does become illegal um that would li- lead to more re- women resorting to risky, risky techniques to abort a fetus um and they might do it themselves they might throw themselves down the stairs they might use a hanger they might do whatever they want to do in order to not carry out this full-term pregnancy um so in that sense and according to your position, wouldn't that woman still be committing a murder? According to your position, and if so, how do you how how is if she's committing a murder and she's an abortionist? How how does she escape punishment?
1: The abortionist that we are referring to is the uh, doctor who sits in the clinic and and all too often flies in for the day to do the abortion of abortions and then. Heads home on his a you know, private helicopter, or plane, whatever to get out of the area. but um, so we're referring to the abortionists that are killing the babies on on the women. It, it's it's a different situation.
3: I mean, I don't know that doctors at Planned Parenthood are getting flown in on private helicopters. I mean, I think I would think that if they were well, being Mississippi supported... has
1: one abortion facility. Their abortionists lives in Chicago and flies in for the day. Well, do you think there that
3: is- perhaps that has something to do with the risk, with their their own, I mean, I, I almost thought that this was an exaggeration until I witnessed it on Long Island, where there were protesters um, outside of abortion facilities and Planned Parenthood, um, so, do you think that maybe it has something to do with the safety of the doctor themselves and i I mean, I understand that maybe this happens in one place, right, but I don't think that overall in every facility that offers abortion, there are these you know fancy um rich doctors that are flying in on private helicopters and planes to to do this
1: well it is happening in various places. You have circuit riders, an abortionist is willing to go to different states different days of the week, but he doesn't live there. And partly because this is a profession that the American culture does not approve of. They look down on. That's why you see so many abortion facilities closing. The doctors don't want to do the abortions because it is not a respectable practice.
0: Um, thank you so much for that, Cal. We are going to have to go on a quick break, but please stay on the line. We're going to continue this discussion about abortion in America. And again, Donald Trump's controversial comments about punishing women. Don't go anywhere. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard.
4: And <laughs>
0: we, are, we are back. We are back. We caught Alyssa off guard there. Sorry about that, Alyssa. Right. Right.
2: Snapchat me to I'm every just going actually show. ask if you knew how to do a search within, like a control find type thing when you're on an iPhone. <laughs> All right, mom. <laughs> right.
0: All right, guys. We are back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR ninety point three FM, the Voice of Harlem. We have on the line with us a very special guest, Carol Tobias. She is the president of the National Right to Life Committee. Um, before we left off, um, I know Alyssa, you want you had a follow up question to the Last question.
2: Can you reiterate? Right. Yeah. No, we were just talking about this idea of like a doctor flying into Mississippi and the idea that there's only one abortion clinic in Mississippi. And to me, that's pretty obvious. Yeah, there's only one abortion clinic in Mississippi because of these tar- targeted regulation of abortion provide, or laws. This is some of the laws that are going up to the Supreme Court right now, like the Texas law, HB2, that say, you know, that different clinics have to be certain sizes, certain widths, have to have access to ambulatory surgical procedures. When Actually, uh, it's a fact that a colonoscopy, which can be performed in a doctor's office, is a, provides more of a substantial risk that you might need to be admitted into a hospital than an abortion does. So you have all these laws popping up, and one of the places they pop up is Mississippi, and the the effect of these targeted regulation of abortion provider laws, they say, is to protect the woman's health. But everybody who's ever looked at this issue has said, yeah, that's crap. It doesn't protect a woman's health. It just makes it harder to get an abortion, and it closes clinics. So it's no surprise. To me, that there's only one abortion clinic in Mississippi because there's laws that have closed all the other abortion clinics in Mississippi. So, of course, the doctor has to fly in from Chicago. He's not doing it to make money. He's flying into Chicago because all the other abortion providers have been pushed out of Mississippi. They don't exist anymore.
4: Get death threats. It's like in my neighborhood, there was only one store you can get fresh fruits from. And you know what? People used to go out of their way to get to that store, and they used to have to hold like ridiculous hours and do all sorts of crazy things to stay open because it was the only place you can get it. It's an issue of access, not of like luxury or money. Right.
0: Right. Under the Constitution, abortion is legal in our country, and women do have that right to make that choice to get access, and we should make it safe. So I I do agree with that. I want to give Carol um, a, a minute to respond, and I know we have a caller on the line.
1: Well, the laws that the states are passing are being adopted by people elected by the voters. This isn't just a judicial mandate like we had from the Supreme Court in 1973, which overturned the laws in all 50 states. These are bills that are being passed by elected representatives, and those representatives have decided that if you're going to get an abortion, it should at least be in the place that has hallways wide enough to get a gurney through in case an ambulance has to be called. It has to have the oxygen and other medical equipment in case there are emergencies. Some of the laws require that a doctor have admitting privileges at a local hospital, and I think that's very consistent. I and mean, even when Joan uh, Rivers, a couple of years ago, was having minor throat surgery, there were complications, and she right. had to go to the hospital. Nancy Snyderman, who was the medical director for NBC, their national network, said it doesn't matter what type of procedure you are having, no matter how small it is or how minor the procedure, you need to make sure that your doctor has admitting privileges at a local hospital because you never know what can go wrong. So then so why aren't these I,
2: I, provisions I, being put into effect for colonoscopies I, and all these other procedures? They're not. So if that's the dental. thing, then, right, dental, every single medical procedure, that means every single doctor in the country should have to comply with these laws for every single medical procedure they perform, because every single medical procedure that is performed carries at least the same risk of a, an abortion, uh, if not a higher risk than a, than an abortion does. So these laws, and, and second off, as to the point that they're being passed by the legislatures, that's nice. Legislatures pass laws about segregation. The court is the people, the Supreme Court, they get to decide what the supreme law of the land is under the Constitution. The rights the fundamental rights that we have in this country, they are not subject to a vote. They depend on the outcomes of no elections. There was a time when people voted to ban black people from sitting at the lunch counter. And guess what? The court stepped in and said, you know what, You're we're not going to allow you vote to have discrimination. And we're seeing that again right now with these bathroom laws, which I'll know we'll talk about during our next segment. I'm not going to get into that during this segment. And the court is going to step in and say, these laws are discriminatory. These laws are unconstitutional. Throughout history, there have been people who have tried to, pass laws using the political process through the legislatures, laws that we find to be repulsive, repugnant, and in violation of our Constitution, and the courts say, no, you can't do that. So just because a law is passed by the legislature is not good enough to say that, oh, well, people want it, so we should have it. Well, guess what? We still have a Constitution that we have to abide by. Right.
1: The people, the the elected representatives elected by the people are trying to protect an innocent, human life that baby cannot be totally ignored in this debate everything you are saying is pretending that baby
2: doesn't exist well because in my but mind it does. doesn't through four cells in a uterus is not a baby
0: um we do have a call on the line i want to give time to miss deborah who's been waiting very patiently Ms. deborah let your voice be heard
6: hello everybody listen you know when i heard you talk about that airplane that really got on my nerves and i'm gonna tell you something Somebody like myself, or if I have a son, you would be very quick to take a needle and inject it into his arm and kill him and not even listen to the rest of the information and find out later that he was innocent. You're not interested in that baby, and maybe they have airplanes. they're flying in and out because of the fact that you all kill doctors.:
4: Mr Devon- remember
0: how you shot the doctors down south? Wow. Ms. Deborah, that was very profound. And I do thank you because I, I think that we do see sometimes a hypocrisy where you see a lot sometimes, sometimes people on the, the right are so pro-life. But when it comes to the death penalty in these red states, they're all for it. And then again, you also have a lot of times where you have Republican legislators cutting food stamps and cutting a, a mother's ability to even take care of her child. So it's like if we care so much about that baby, why not give her access to um, to food stamps and to dental care and to medical care? Why are we cutting these government programs that would actually help the baby once it is a baby?
4: Because it's a crock of crap, Selena. These people don't care about these children. They care about their political ideologies. Mississippi, the state we're talking about, refuses to accept the Medicare exchange. And because of that, there are over 3,000 people in that state right now who don't have access to health insurance. They go out of their way to cut funding for SNAP benefits. They go out of their way to make sure you cannot raise the minimum wage so people who get hurt by having low wages like single mothers because they didn't want to get an abortion cannot afford to take care of their children. They go out of their way to make sure that you 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 go, you don't get government funded child care and then when these people do get these things, they bash them as lazy. If you're going to say you value a life, don't just value the life when it's a couple of cells in someone's uterus. Value that life when that child is out. Don't say, don't when that child comes out say, well you're on your own. Pick yourself up by your bootstraps but you were talking all that great talk about how important this person was before.
0: We're, we're going to have to let um, Carol go. But before we do, um, I, I want to just give her um, a, some, a chance to say, so what is the, so, so the solution here? I mean, I would love to meet some common ground. We did meet some common ground earlier in this, in this segment. But I think moving forward, what is, you know, your message is not coherent with what Donald Trump is saying. And I'm guessing your organization is not supporting him. Um, moving forward, what would you say is the best way to protect women um, um, if they do get pregnant?
1: I don't know how much time I have left. Uh, pregnancy resource centers will help a woman who is pregnant and is needing help at that time. You are raising a valid point. I think we do need to look at what is happening to the, uh, those who are living in poverty and see how we can help them. Uh, but we cannot forget that there's an innocent human life involved in this decision that unborn child has a voice, too.
0: Thank you again, Carol. Can you please let our listeners know how they can get in touch with you and your organization?
1: Yes. Our, our website, if that's the easiest way to, to reach us, would be NRLC. Our organization is National Right to Life Committee. So it's nrlc.org.
0: Thank you again. Um, Jackie, I know that you had some, um, some response that you wanted to, to make some comments. Yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting –
3: I think that both sides – can share some common ground. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I think that ultimately what we would like to see is a decrease in the amount of abortions um, being administered. But the the approach to this issue is from two very different places. Right. Where I think, you know, yes, we're talking about like people's lives, the mother included. Right. And let's say for argument's sake, we are talking about an, uh, you know, An innocent life. Right. That like if you believe that life begins at conception and not once, you know, brainstem and heart cells form, whatever. Let's say that is your belief. Right. What about that life after it's born? Where are you then when you're talking about this person who is then being born into a world where they maybe have parents that cannot provide for them or want them? um, And then they're being put potentially into a foster care system. Um, up for adoption, which is another system that needs to be looked at and reformed. The foster care
4: system is a wreck. Don't be nice to me.
3: Yeah, no. So it's like, it's yeah, okay, so you're protecting these, you know, in your mind children, right, these innocent unborn children, but then what? Where does your compassion and your care end? Um, and I think that it's a really, really hypocritical argument oftentimes. And I'm not even saying that our, our guest, who's very respectful uh, you know, to us and about this issue, um, I'm not saying that this is what she believes, but I have found that many people on the right that do believe in banning abortion that are very anti-choice, right, Um, do not support welfare, do not support programs that would then help these mothers and help these children and families um, who maybe cannot afford to raise another child or a child to begin with. So I think that there's a big hypocrisy in this country surrounding this issue where you see a lot of people saying that they're pro-life but they're pro-birth right they're not necessarily pro-life not pro-quality life of any sort so if that's the stance that you're going to take where you are pro-birth right you need to be pro-life as well.
4: See, here's my thing. They're not pro-life. They're not, pro, they're not pro-people they are not pro or anything else like that. I will support pro-life movement when we get to a space where the country is doing what it has to do for all people. We can't even accept black people as human beings. Right. We can't even accept that Mexicans are not lazy rapists, drug addicts, and you want to tell me you care about a life? No, you don't care about that life. You care about how you feel about this thing at this moment, and you don't care about what people feel. The foster care system is a disaster. Yes. You know how many children find loving homes in that system? Not a lot or not enough. It's poorly funded. It's not supported. You have these single parents who come in and they can't afford to take care of their children. There's not enough support in these communities. So you have someone who came into poverty, giving birth to a child into poverty, and then when that kid goes on a poor track, we say it's because that kid has poor morals. But those same people who are saying this kid has poor morals were the same one who was fighting for that quote unquote child's life. This country is full of hypocrites and people who don't care about others. So this pro-life talk is garbage to me.
2: Right. No, listen, I, I just want to say I respect our guests for coming on and having this debate yeah. with us. It's very rare that we get somebody to represent the other side and we always really appreciate that. So thank you to our guests. Um, but, you know, going off of what Stanley said, look at the state of Kansas, right? You have a state uh, that has enacted uh, stricter laws with respect to access of birth control, stricter laws with respect to, with respect to accessing abortion. And so now, because when you have less birth control, you have more abortion, right? Because what's the number? There's two things that prevent abortions, right? They are not these laws that target about how, whether a gurney could fit down the, the hallway. They're access to birth control and teaching kids about sex ed when they're in high school instead of teaching abstinence education, right? So you cut abstinence-only education. You cut the availability of birth control because you don't expand Medicaid, as you pointed out, and then you have a higher rate of abortion. And then what happens in Kansas, right? Now they have no money to fund schools because they've gone down this whole right-wing experiment. They have no money for social programs. They have no money to fund a public defender system when these now-living people get in trouble with the law because they don't have food stamps to survive so they have to steal a loaf of bread and now they're in jail so of course everything goes back to being related to everything else and then when you compare and contrast that to looking at countries that have restrictions on abortions in Africa where there are restrictions on abortions 29 out of every thousand women of childbearing age have an abortion in Latin America where there's high restrictions on abortions that number is 32 women out of every thousand you know what it is in Western Europe where there's easy access to abortion and in America it's 12 women out of every thousand so if you really want to prevent abortion it's not using restrictive laws it's opening up accesses to birth control it's opening us up access to education and it's not treating women as if they're stupid who can't make their own decisions right, right. I think you know in this
3: country some states are um, you know abortion is much more accessible and easy to administer other states it is not right and we see like one abortion clinic open for you know a large population of people that being said Three in every 10 women in the United States has an abortion before the age of 45. So to me, what that says is if you outlaw abortion flat out and do nothing else to... Um, prevent unwanted pregnancy to advocate for contraceptive use to teach sex education in schools what you're saying is for me abortion is an inevitability it's going to happen and we can keep it safe and legal or we can make it illegal and make it very very unsafe and then whose lives are you protecting anyway because women's lives will be much more at risk so it's it's a clear answer to me why abortion needs to be kept legal. No, no, no.
0: You're, you're absolutely right. And of course, I do agree with everything that's being said here on the panel. I mean, it's, you know, the question that I posed at the very beginning of this segment was, you know, p- about punishing women. But if you look at it, we are punishing women right now. And I just wanted to bring up some of these ludicrous laws that are going on. Um, so in Arizona, uh, a Republican governor just signed a, a an anti-abortion, uh, uh, anti-abortion law that includes a provision that specifically restricts ad Uh, access to medical abortions. Then you have in Utah, um, uh, doctors will now be required to give some women unnecessary anesthesia for abortions. So this, the idea behind this actually falls under the Protecting Unborn Children Amendment. And what happens is you're supposed to be able to prevent a a fetus from feeling pain during an abortion at 20 weeks or more. However, a number of of scientific researchers and a number of scientific um, evidence has come out that says that, There's you know, there's no full evidence to say that a a fetus does even feel um, that type of pain because they don't have the neurons and a brain and the structure in their body that would actually allow them to feel pain. But again, this has already been passed into law. So if you're a woman and you're suffering from a condition and you have to have an abortion and um, so that your life uh, so that your life is not at risk. Um, you would have, you're basically going to have to be put under anesthesia, which makes it even riskier for you to have that abortion so that your fetus doesn't feel pain. That is ridiculous. Then you have a mother, a living, breathing soul who is, who can die, but you're like, well, I'm sorry. Um, you're, we're going, we're going to put your life at risk for, you
2: know, these cells
0: It just doesn't make which sense is why, to me Yeah,
2: which is why I find it really hard to believe That this is about, about protecting life And protecting the life right. of, of the mother I mean, you want to look at some additional numbers And then I'll, I'll close it out I mean, talk about, uh, for a second uh, Late-term abortion, right? Uh, so, before, uh, today 92% of abortions are performed In the first trimester, okay? And that means only 8% of abortions Are performed in either the second or third trimester In the 1970s, before Roe versus Wade. One in four, that's 25% of abortions, took place after the first trimester, making it more dangerous to the woman and arguably making it more likely that the fetus would feel pain because the science about whether the fetus feels pain during the first trimester, the the jury's still out on that, whereas there is some science to say that the later on it gets, the later and later it gets during your pregnancy term, the more likely it is. Uh, Secondly, when it comes to medical abortion, I know the FDA just approved more medical abortions there's no reason why you need a gurney in an abortion clinic for somebody to come in and take two pills and even more right. so there's no reason why they need to even come in and take those two pills there in the beginning we should have telemedicine where you can get a teledoctor to write you the prescription you go to your pharmacy you pick up the pills and just like any medication if you take the pills and you have an adverse reaction mm-hmm. guess what you do you pick up the phone and you call 9-one and you say I'm having a medical emergency I need somebody to get down here but uh I'll end on this note. A lot of times we hear people on the right talk about liberty, right? Government, small government. We want small government. We want less government in our life. We want to have more liberty. We want to have freedom. The most important thing to know in this debate is when... Planned Parenthood versus Casey was decided in 1992, when it came down to deciding when life begins and the balance between freedom and liberty and abortion, Justice O'Connor famously, famously said, and I quote, these matters involving the most intimate and personal choices a person may make in their lifetime, choices that are central to personal dignity and autonomy, are central to the liberty protected by the 14th Amendment. At the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe and of the mystery of human life. Beliefs about these matters could not define the attributes of personhood where they formed under compulsion of the state, which is to say it is not for the government at the beginning of a fetus's life to decide whether or not that fetus is a human being. It is your right and your liberty to make that decision. And I'm going to, on that note, send it back to Selena to close this out.
0: Yeah. No, thank you so much for that, uh, Alyssa. So I think that there is a lot of common ground, right? You know, I'm I'm thinking about it now in my head. And, even though a lot of people in the pro-life uh, movement do will not agree, um, they'll omit that contraception. Contraceptives are a solution because it prevents women from even having to get an abortion. But they won't outwardly uh, come out and say this is something that we advocate for, and they won't try to get these uh, contraception in schools and give it to women o- of low income who may not always have a means to contraception. But I think that you know, moving forward, this is something that we should all rally around, and I. Won- Wanted to bring up the FDA who just passed regulation that. Um basically so the fda eased some restrictions on a pill that induces abortion and this basically is a policy change one of the first substantial policy changes in two decades so now um the so with the under this new policy um a woman can get access to this abortion pill for up to 10 weeks into her pregnancy compared to before when it was only seven weeks into her pregnancy right Mm -hmm. so i think that you know when you you this would prevent a woman from even having to go to that measure you know to sit on that table and to get that full you know very traumatic experience right if you can take a pill and you don't have to have as many doctor visits i think that that all does us some justice and i think that that's all something that we should be continuing to push for whether on the left or the right because it just makes sense you know i mean i get it you know putting you know what you might think or, or putting your morale aside putting religious beliefs aside some things just makes sense sense and that makes sense and so does contraceptives so on that note we're gonna have to take a quick break but when we come back we are going straight into the news roundup don't go anywhere this is let your voice be heard
5: hey, uh-huh.
2: Danny thinks yeah. we weren't rude enough oh <run> there. Did,
4: did we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, The Voice of Harlem. So, Leontay thinks she's all of that in a bag of chips because she wore a blue outfit yesterday and got 77 likes. I don't think so. Are
0: you counting my likes? That's so weird. Facebook
4: tells me, stupid you're, dude. You're
0: speaking stalking. Of f- Hold on. Before we do that, guys, I want to just let everyone know, keep tuning in. Later on in the show, we will be talking about Kalani's attempted suicide, Chris Brown's response, and the stigma of mental illness in the black community right now. We are jumping right Right into the News Roundup, where we invite anyone who's listening to share, call in, or um, comment on the stories that really got us revved up this week. So we're going to be talking about some of those stories that irked us, made us happy, made us sad. And I know that Alyssa wanted to start off with one of those stories.
2: No, actually, I just wanted to start off with something that got uh, one of our politically imposterous commenters revved up during our last segment. Um, We did get a comment. I wanted to get it out there. Her name is Kelly Cook, and her response to the entire segment, which was The debate is over. This is settled law. So we thank Kelly for her comment. I just wanted to make sure we get it out there. Um, As for um, a news story, so here I have a good one. Um, I think it was yesterday or the day before a bunch of pot activists smoked weed outside of the White House in order to protest the fact that marijuana is still a schedule one drug. And if you don't know what that means, it means cocaine is a schedule two drug, which essentially means that the government is saying that cocaine is safer than marijuana. Marijuana. Uh. Um, that, that's in a nutshell. Yeah. So, um, okay, that's, I, <laughs> I think it's awesome that these... Now, if you don't also know, marijuana is actually legal in D.C., but it's not legal on federal property. Mm. The White House is, of course, federal property. We did so, a quickie on that. Uh, and we did <laughs> do a quickie on that that you could check out. But I think this was just a really cool feel-good story from uh, Dr. Feelgood. <laughs> <laughs> letting Literally. The, letting the president know that marijuana should be descheduled. And, of course, the president said, yeah, you know, I the agree, but... The has dabbled. So Wait, I'm sure one second. Agrees. Was this the Teva or oh, was it um Khalif? <laughs> what, what? Is it sativa no. it's sativa or indica, indica. and Whatever. why don't you ask president obama that because you know he used to be
4: you ch- know obama only messed with that the, indica he used to be
2: part <laughs> of that cho- choom gang You used to call it? Yeah. the yeah. choom gang
4: mm-hmm.
2: he's
3: so cool I love him um, I have an interesting story that came up this week so um, for anyone that knows me knows that I am obsessed with the musical hamilton oh yeah I was very lucky to get to go see um, it's and it's incredible oh, and really I really listen to the soundtrack like every day including on my way over here today um, but but this week they got into a lot of trouble or they got into some trouble because, um, you know, they're starting to cast. They're going to take the production on tour um, and produce it in different cities outside of New York. And they got in trouble because their casting notice called for non-Caucasian actors for the lead roles. So basically saying, like, all are welcome to audition and apply, but to play one of the main roles, you have to be non-Caucasian, and white people got very mad because white people love Hamilton and found this to be extremely discriminatory, besides the fact that 79% of all Broadway roles are given to white actors, okay? 79%. A- so, this is the only show on Broadway, and even when actors of color are cast into Broadway productions, they're often periphery roles, right? They're almost never the lead roles, so... It's touchy, right? It's,
4: but isn't the point of the Hamilton play that Alexander Hamilton is actually not played by a white guy? Like, wasn't that like that? Wasn't that like one of the things about I it? I mean,
3: in the show, there's nothing like explicit about it. it just it was a very awesome casting decision to yeah. cast all the main characters ex- with the exception of sort of the British, you know, with King George and the British yeah. actors as white people. But it was a very awesome. Um, casting choice but it's not implicit in this
0: in the narrative Alexander but, i mean I just don't understand, like, I mean, when it comes to leveling the playing field, right, um, and you think about how unleveled it is, especially when it comes to people of color, if you have a Broadway play and production that is going out of its way to finally find and to cast someone in a lead role that is a person of color, why can't we just all applaud this? Like, the fact right. that the statistics, you said, is overwhelming, 79%, that's almost 80%, and they're like, well, no, we want this one, right. too? Right, it's like, white people can't be
3: happy unless they have op- op- opportunity. Opportunity and access to everything. And what I found was interesting. is I was they that they do. They right? do, right? And so, what was except for this one thing that is, like, well, super popular. I think that
2: it could have been done a little more tactfully, which is just, like, you know what? Just put out a casting notice, but, and then you cast who you want. And wife, if it's not...
4: What?
0: I was
2: thinking about that. Well, white
3: productions do this all the time, where they say looking for white actors or or a white actor that can play South Asian or (laughs) Hispanic. (laughs) Like, look at West Side Story, right? I mean, we had the lead of West Side Story, Maria, played by a very white woman. And granted, Cheetah Rivera was in the original production. She's awesome. Um, But we we have had white women playing roles of color or white actors playing roles of color. We've talked about this on a show previously. Um, But it's still a persistent... Problem in Broadway, and so finally we have a production where it is not white people playing people of color, and white people are mad. But
4: Jackie, that. my white devil princess, yes, I have some good tea for you right now. Oh God. Coming from Miss Deborah. Miss Deborah, tell us what you just told me off air. Yeah,
6: I was on. Hold
4: oh on. You okay, Miss Deborah?
6: Yeah, I'm okay. I just wanted to turn the radio down. I hate <laughs> that when people do that. It's like you know you tell them a million times and they never turn it. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, I was uh, on. I was working at a firm, and a young man called because he was very upset because he wanted to work for uh, Les Miserables, and the white person who was head of this big production told him there were no white pe- there were no black people at that time, and so there was not room for him. And he was breathless when he called. He could not
3: believe that right. somebody
6: would say that to him.
3: Right.
4: Thank you very much for that, Ms. Deborah. I will,
3: I will add that right now, the lead of Les Mis is the man who plays Javert.
2: But I believe I, is a black man. Just like, awesome. like uh, that. Just uh, it frustrates me because if we know anything about scientific evolution, the common wisdom is that all human life probably started in Africa or in the Middle East which means it, from the beginning of time everybody was nobody was white until right. people moved to places where they didn't need as much melanin in the their Starbucks skin and, and, right, <laughs> and then they became the and then women. they became so like this idea that no black people existed during the time of Les Mis or no black people existed during the time of Shakespeare like that's total crap it's no. just crap <laughs> scientifically speaking it's a bunch right. of crap no, no I I
0: appreciate Miss Deborah's comment and I, I think that you know black people have been told that either subliminally or directly for decades. I think the only yes. thing that's surprising is that someone had the audacity to tell that black man to his face. But to that
2: other people, that
0: might not even be surprising.
3: Well, that's either. not surprising at yeah. all. When's the last right. time you
2: were in the South. There were no
4: well, black people in Africa in 1920. <laughs> I
3: think the policy so far, and this is in a lot of fields, not just on Broadway, has been the white as like standard yeah. norm, right? right? That like we're just gonna go with the white actor, and that if you are anything but the white actor, that's like interesting and subversive instead of just like being expected that there are plenty of talented people from all walks of life, from all ethnicities and backgrounds. So, I mean... There's a
2: reason why Donald Trump's slogan is "Make America Great Again." He might as well change it to "Make America White I Again," know. because that's exactly <laughs> what right. he means by that. So,
4: guys, I have some more sleazy news I want to talk about. Yes, D'Angelo yes. Russell. So, no one yes. here watches basketball except for maybe no me. Idea what you're I, I, I do. I do. I do. She's idea. checking out the players. So, D'Angelo uh, yep, Russell yep. is a 20-year-old point that's guard from the Los Angeles Lakers, it. and he was in the hotel room with his BFF, aka teammate Nick Lamar Odom. Nick Johnson. Oops, no. wrong teammate. No, Nick, I think Nick Johnson, his name, I, I, for, I forgot. Swaggy P? Yeah. A.K.A. Swaggy P? Yeah, A.K.A. Swaggy P, who is engaged to Iggy Azalea, um, <laughs> oh, former <yeah>. karaoke rapper. <laughs> so, in the video, <laughs> which D'Angelo Russell is recording, he, Nick pretty much admits that he's cheated on Iggy with a 19-year-old woman. And then um, D'Angelo Russell goes, oh, um, what about Amber Rose? And he goes, no, I couldn't do that because they're cool. The video leaked. And everywhere the world is upset because D'Angelo Russell broke the bro code. Now, I will say this because I know you guys are going to go in. Nick, (laughs) Swaggy P is wrong for cheating on his girlfriend, and like, he kind of deserves this. On the other hand, D'Angelo Russell is wrong for breaking the bro code and the bro code is real if she's not your sister your auntie your best friend your grandma your, your mama friend. your best yes the best friend and the best friend <laughs> your grandma it's none of your business you do not put a person's business out there because certain things are said in confidence so he oh, broke the bro code
0: OMG I watched that video right and I also re- uh, have been watching the reaction from social media and from so many people talking about this bro code even in right. the locker room and I think it's ridiculous when you have have a woman such as Kalani, who we'll talk about in the next segment, who is even thought about cheating on a man. She has been called a thought, a slut, she's been called a hoe, everything right. by everyone. But then in the same week where we found out that Nick was cheating on his fiance, Everyone has been ganging up on the man who finally let um, Iggy Azalea know. And you Stanley, see. like, this bro code thing you have, like, it's extremely misogynistic. Like, I just, I can't, I can't, I can't get on, I can't get on the bandwagon for that. Saw,
4: so, two things. One, I'm sorry, there's just a certain code you live by, especially when you're on teams, on a professional team or any team, there's certain code you live by. That's one. Two, the Kehlani and the um, the Nick, the Nick, Iggy thing is completely different. Kehlani didn't leak anything. The guy that she... the guy that she's dating now posted a video that any person with common sense would know would start problems.